Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. I want to lead you in a little prayer. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you that your word can change my life. I ask that you'd speak to me today. Give me eyes to see and ears to hear. And help that preacher. Get it right. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. God is good. So this, uh, this week we're actually starting a, a series. This is a series that I like to do every couple years and we change it up a little bit because it's important content. And it's a series of guardrails. Guardrails. And so this is going to be going on for the next three weeks. We're going to be talking about guardrails, what guardrails are, and the importance of guardrails in our lives. And so the first thing we need to understand what a guardrail is, a guardrail is a system designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas, okay? That's what a guardrail is. Um, We have to understand that uh, most guardrails are found as, you know, if you're going across a bridge, how many know it's good to have a guardrail? Because no one wants to go into the ditch. No one wants to fall off a bridge. Um, We also have guardrails at medians to protect us from oncoming traffic. And there's also... uh, we see guardrails on soft shoulders, curves. Sometimes there's unexpected changes in the road, and we can see from afar off that the road's changing because we're following the guardrail. How many know guardrails are important? I remember when I was in my early 20s, I was working in Picton, Ontario. I finished my shift. I was really tired. I was up a little late the night before. And I was getting my car. I was driving home. The sun's beating in on my eyes, and I'm really tired. And uh, I'm sitting there driving, and I thought, you know, I'm just going to blink a little bit. Rest my eyes. How many have been there? Rest my eyes. And I thought I was blinking, but I literally fell asleep. And I, I don't know how it happened, but I shut my eyes. And next thing you know, I hear boop, 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 boop. And I open my eyes, and I'm literally driving up a guardrail at 100 kilometers an hour. So you have those concrete guardrails, and they kind of they have that little angle at the bottom. I'm driving up this thing. I wake up. I pull back to the center of the road. My heart's going 100 miles an hour, right? And I realize in that moment that that guardrail saved my life and the life of People on the other side, right? Guardrails are important, and they're there to protect us and keep us from straying into dangerous and off-limit areas. That's the purpose of a guardrail. All right? And so before I talk about guardrail, I want to talk for a minute about danger zone. Just how many know there's a danger zone in life, and we want to, we want to keep out of the danger zone, so we need to understand the purpose for the guardrail is to keep us from that place. And so I want to say this, first of all, uh, God's not keeping anything from you. Like, you know, people are so afraid sometimes, like, if I change my life, if, if I live as a Christian, then I, I'm going to miss out on the good things in life. How many hear what I'm saying? But that's a lie. That's a lie. It's, it's, it's the oldest lie in the book. And we see Satan used it in the Garden of Eden, didn't he? And so we see what he did here in Genesis chapter 3, verse 4 to 5. It says, And the serpent said unto the woman, okay, You shall not surely die, for God does know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes will be opened, and you will be as gods. Now, he's talking about fallen demonic entities. Okay, you're knowing good and evil like demons do or fallen angels do, because when Satan fell, he took a third of the angels. And so the devil was basically saying through the serpent, you know, you're missing out. We, we know stuff that you don't know, and God's holding out on you. It's so much fun on the other side. And you know, because of that, they believed the serpent, and they lost something that was very important to them. 
See, nothing has changed in all of these years concerning the devil's strategy. Adam and Eve had fellowship with God. Adam and Eve had purpose. Adam and Eve had authority. And they had the one-verse Bible. That's it. God said, you know, you can do what you want. You can do anything you want. Just don't eat of this one tree. And the first thing they do is they go directly to the tree, and they do what they were asked not to do, right? And so I want to say that because it's important to understand that God has, wants you to have fellowship with him. God wants you to have purpose. God wants you to walk in authority, okay? But God's commands in his word, they keep us from the danger zone. How many know that? Okay? The psalmist says God's word, the commandments of the Lord are not burdensome. The commandments of the Lord are pure, converting the soul. And if you think about it, God's purpose for his word and his commands is that we can walk in relationship with him, okay? And so the danger of sin, the danger of going into the danger zone is that it damages relationships, all right? It damages first your relationship with God. It damages your relationship with others. It damages the relationship with yourself. Like if you think about it, right? People say, well, I don't want to follow the Bible. Well, the Bible says thou shall not lie. So if you lie to people all the time, guess what? You're, you're, you're hurting people. You're hurting your reputation once they find out you're lying. So now you don't like yourself as much because people don't like you and you feel bad about yourself. And, and then, you know, uh, how many know you hurt? Sin will hurt us. Sin will destroy us. It's fun for a season, but eventually it takes us into a very uncomfortable place. And God loves us so much is that he's like, if you just follow the, the manual, Bible, the Bible stands for basic instructions before leaving earth, right? If you'll follow the manual, you're going to find freedom. You're going to find purpose. You're going to find passion in life. How many see that? All right. And so Adam and Eve, they, they, they listened to the serpent in the garden. And immediately Adam said, God came out saying, Adam, where are you? And he said, I was hiding because I was afraid, because I was naked. And so what happened was fear, guilt, and shame came into his life because of the danger zone. And so God doesn't want you to have fear in your life. God doesn't want you to feel guilty. God doesn't want you to have shame in your life. He wants to, he wants to wash your sins away. He wants you to walk in relationship with him and not live in that messy zone. How many hear what I'm saying? So the purpose of guardrails in life is to keep us from falling into places where we're full of guilt, shame, and fear. All right? So the word of God is good. Okay? So there's three things that are deceptive in Scripture. So the first one is, the Bible says, the deceitfulness of sin. That's a danger zone. Sin is very deceptive, right? You know, I used to drink a lot when I was younger, and I, I, I you know, when I quit drinking, and uh, I, the, the, uh, sometimes I'd get these flashbacks or these memories. Uh, oh, it was so fun to hang out and drink with my friends. But I didn't get the flashbacks or the memories of myself in the toilet throwing up and you know, being hung over for two days. I didn't get those memories back. I had, you know how the enemy works. He gives us thoughts. He doesn't show us the truth. Sin is deceptive. Sin will say, you know, if you, if you only pursue all of your dreams and do whatever your body feels like doing, listen to whatever you want to listen to, treat people however you want to treat them, you're going to have happiness. You're going to have peace. You're going to have freedom. But what do you end up with? You end up with depression and bondage. You're depressed. You're, you're bound up. Nobody likes you. There's issues in your life because sin is the danger zone. And God wants us to be free from that. Sin, they say, I heard this saying, I can't remember who said it. Sin, 
uh, which is really doing the opposite of what God has asked you to do, will take you farther than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay, and it will cost you more than you want to pay. Right? That's what sin will do. It will take you down a really, really dark road. And, and God in his love and mercy, even when we were messed up, says, I love you so much, I'm going to rescue you out of that. All you have to do is put your faith in me and pray, and I'll pull you out of that. Because God loves us so much. Right? Sin will take you that far. Sin will destroy relationships. That's what it'll do. For example, when you uh, lie, uh, you hurt others. When you steal, uh, you hurt other people. Someone has a consequence to that, and you hurt yourself as well. If, if you commit adultery, you damage your spouse, you damage the people that you're close to, you, you can rip someone's heart out by committing. So how many know, like, the Word of God is good, and, and people say, well, I don't want to keep the Ten Commandments It's because it's oppressive. It's not oppressive, it's freedom. Because if I obey God's Word, I'm going to love people, I'm going to care for God, and I'm going to get the fruit of that. I'm going to get a return on that. How many hear what I'm saying? I'm going to get a return on investment. So the Word of God is awesome. The law is pure, converting the soul. Right? So there's the deceitfulness of sin. And then there's the deceitfulness of riches. That's the next one. Deceitfulness of riches. And, and this is a good one because in Mark chapter 4, verse 19, Jesus says, In the cares of this world... And the deceitfulness of riches and desires for other things enter in and choke the word of God in your life and it becomes unfruitful. Okay? Now, this is important because the love of things will destroy relationships. Love is the fulfillment of the law. And here's the thing. I remember Pastor David, years ago, he told me, you know, there was this guy in town and he was super wealthy and he had, he, you know, he owned real estate and he had all, everybody wanted to be this guy type of thing. He, he had a lot going. And his funeral came. He passed away. And so, you know, Pastor Dave is preparing to do the funeral. And he gets up there, and there's like two or three people come to the funeral. You know, and it's, it's okay to have things. It's okay to have possessions. It's okay to have money. It's okay to have houses. It's okay to have stuff, right? It's, it's not bad. It's when stuff has you. When that's more important to you than relationships. And I was talking to someone the other day, and I said, you know, it's funny. I've been doing funerals for 20 years, and I've never, ever seen a U-Haul following a hearse. I've never seen it. In other words, when you go, you can take nothing with you. You come in naked, you leave naked. You have nothing, right? The only thing you can take into eternity is your relationships, the connections you made, the richness you have with people. Amen? And so... We don't want the deceitfulness of riches. God wants us to prosper, but our focus needs to be on relationships, not on things. And I know there's so many people now, and, and you would agree if you watch some of the interviews with some celebrities and stuff, and they have everything, but they don't have joy because the thing that makes you happy is relationships, not possession, not fame, not fortune. Amen? The third thing is the deceitfulness of religious philosophy. That's what I put here. This is another danger zone. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, says, Beware lest anyone cheat you. Have, ha, has anyone ever been cheated? Like you think you're getting something, but you get something else. And I hate that when you get cheated. A telemarketer calls and you think you're getting... You know, I actually got really cheated 
badly about seven years ago. Somebody called, and there was this insurance deal. And if I paid so much, they were going to insure my company and all this. And I was kind of busy, and I'm listening. That's a great deal. What, $700 up front? Sure, I transferred the money. Package came in the mail. And then I went to look them up. Couldn't find them. P.O. box in Florida somewhere. Couldn't find this. I was out 700 bucks, and I looked and looked and looked. And I said, what am I going to do? I can't find this company. It was a scam. I lost 700 bucks. And like, okay, I'm going to get a lawyer, but then that would cost me another $1,800. I'm like, forget it, right? And, and when you get cheated, it's no fun. And Paul is saying here, beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. According to the traditions of man, according to the basic principle of the world, and not according to Christ. Don't be cheated. And that's one of the things that used to bother me, because sometimes uh, Christians can come across, and it's, it's a religious, you know, you, you need to dress a certain way, three-piece suit, you know, you got to have certain music, you got to baptize people a certain way, you got to act a certain way when you come to church. How many know that's empty, right? God, God wants to move. God loves all people. And we try to package God, but we can't package him. How many know what I'm saying? Okay? Traditions of men can destroy relationships within the body of Christ. And that's why we have so much division. Because certain churches say, well, we do it the right way, and you don't, so we can't talk to you. How many know that's awful? Like, you know? And I remember I learned this years ago when I was 20, and my mother tricked me to go to church with her. She was deceitful, and she tricked me. She says, you got to come to church with me. I'm like, I don't go to church. I don't do the church thing, right? And so she's like, no, 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 it's, it's, it's my birthday. So would you do that as a birthday gift? It was either birthday or Mother's Day. I don't remember. It was, okay, fine. And I went in, and she took me to a church in Toronto, uh, Toronto Airport Church. And I walked in, and I had always gone to churches where everyone wore suit and ties. And I came in, and there was people with tattoos, ripped jeans. And, I, and I, you know, I dressed grungy because I wanted to kind of make a point. And I showed up, and I was actually well-dressed compared to everybody else. And uh, it was really cool. And I remember this one guy, he had a leather jacket with uh, a cut-off jean jacket vest and chains on and tattoos, nose rings, and he just looked really... And I was looking at that guy and I was saying, that guy needs God. <laughs> like, I'm thinking, like, there's something wrong with this guy, right? He needs to get... And I ended up... His name was Edwin, and I became friends with him. And the thing I found about him, he loved God so much. He read the Bible, he prayed, he talked to people about his faith. And I learned that day, you can't judge a book by its cover, right? God looks at the heart. He doesn't look at the outward appearance, all right? And so possessions, accomplishments, status alone will not bring you to happiness. It won't do it. True joy is found in relationship with God, with yourself, and with others, all right? And so God wants us to... Um, understand the reason why there's guardrails is to keep us from falling into areas where it'll damage our relationships, okay? So here are some things we will learn about guardrails. Guardrails, they direct and they protect, okay? Uh, there's something interesting about the placement of guardrails. They, they are not placed in the actual danger zone. You know, you don't want the guardrail in the danger zone. You want it set before the danger zone so you don't end up in the danger zone. How many hear what I'm saying? All right? They're placed just inside, uh, they're placed just outside of the danger zone. The actual danger zones are just beyond the area that the guardrails are set up. And so if there were no guardrails, if there were no guardrails, um, you could drive close to the edge, right? 
But how many know there's a lot of security in knowing there's a guardrail? Like, you don't think about it. I was in Cuba, and we went up. They said, we're going to take you on this nice crew, this nice little tour. And they got us on this bus. It looked like a nice bus, but I don't think they had any shocks, and it. it was, like, bouncing back and forth. It's like feels like it's going to go right off the road. And they said, we're going to take you to this resort. And so they took us up to this, to, 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 to just check out this resort. It was on top of a mountain, and you have to drive around up this big, steep hill on this bus. And, and they're just like, oh, it's okay, we have a guardrail. And I'm looking over, and there's like this little guardrail, about this big. And you look down, it's like 150, 200 feet, like straight down. I'm like, you know, like, I hope the bus driver's not drinking today. I hope that, because that's common. I hope he's not drinking today. Because it's like we're going up this thing, and how many know that guardrail didn't bring much security? But I guess it did for the Cubans. But I'm telling you, how many have ever been in that where you're on a road and there's a little guardrail, right? Okay. And so the assumption is with guardrails is that the damage done by hitting a guardrail is minor compared to what would have happened if the guardrail had not been there. Okay. And guardrails are designed, spiritual guardrails are designed uh, to alert our conscience. Guardrails are there to alert our conscience. So next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about that. Um, next week, Pastor uh, Chris is going to be talking about uh, guardrails in your relationships. And then Peter's going to be talking the next week, guardrails in your love life and in, in your sex life. So if you guys like that kind of stuff, it's good. Come on out. You're going to be a challenge for all of us. So, so here's the thing. So your, your, your greatest regrets, think about this, your greatest regrets could have probably been avoided if you had some financial, moral, relation, relational, and professional guardrails. We think back sometimes that I wish I would have had a guardrail in my life in that area. I wish I would have had something in place so that I wouldn't have fallen into that area of danger. And we think back and we can, you know, have regrets, but the reality is we can't change yesterday, but we can change tomorrow, right? So we want to learn how to put guardrails in place. Now, the challenge for us is that um, our culture doesn't promote guardrails, okay? Our culture doesn't promote it, and the culture actually uh, believes in painted lines. How many know painted lines are not the same as guardrails, right? So here, here's, here, I'll give you an example, and I'm just giving you a couple major examples so we know what we're talking about here. So alcohol, for example, okay? So we hear this, this painted line all the time, and it's, it's said very often, um, uh, drink responsible, okay? You got to drink responsible, okay? So what does that mean? It's kind of like a painted line, right? Because for some people it means, um, well, I'm just going to be a social drinker, and that's you know, that's, that's, a, that's a painted line. For someone else, it means having a glass of wine for dinner occasionally. For other people, it means getting absolutely hammered, but making sure that you have a designated driver, right? So I'm responsible, I'm drunk, but I got a designated driver. Um, and so we all have different ideas what drink responsibility means. So that's kind of the difference between a painted line and a guardrail, okay? Sex, here's another one. Waiting, uh, wait, you hear the statement, wait until you're ready. Okay, what does that mean? So, uh, for some people, it means wait until you're married, uh, which is the biblical definition. Um, for someone else, it means wait until you have been together for three months so that you know each other well enough, and then it's okay. And for other people, it's, it means, uh, you know, I was born ready. I was ready when, you know. Uh, so it can mean different things to different people. How many, how many hear what I'm saying? But God wants to see, see the problem with painted lines is painted lines do not alert your conscience, Right? And you want your conscience to be alerted so you don't fall into the danger zone and end up in the broken relationship or end up in a place that God doesn't want you to be in. So I, I want to, this, this was an idea when we read through the Bible, 
we don't hear about guardrails, the term, uh, because it wasn't like, you know, Rufus the camel, you know. You're going too fast, Rufus, you could fall off the side of the... No, it, guardrails are to protect you, right? It wasn't something we... But, but, but Paul talks about setting up boundaries for our conscience, and that's what I want to talk about here in uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 to 18. And so Paul had just finished talking. So let's read this here. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So when you become a Christian, God gives you a deposit of light, okay? So live as people of light, for the light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them, because it's shameful to even talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret, but their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them, okay? And, and this is one of the things, we, we don't have to worry about exposing other people because when the light comes, they're going to say, hey, I need a change. How many hear what I'm saying? For the light makes everything visible, okay? This is why it says, awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light, okay? So we're going to go to the next verse here, okay? Ephesians 5, 15 to 18. And Paul says this, be very careful then how you live. Say, be very careful. Now, when I was younger, I was, my, my mom and dad, we had this dog, and the dog's name was Fluffy, Pekingese poodle, nice, cute little fluffy dog. And this was my dog. And uh, we, we were supposed to walk it every day and carry the little baggie with us. Some of you guys do that. Um, but we were all lazy. The whole family was lazy. And we'd just say, Fluffy, we'd open the door. Out you go. How many know what I'm talking about? Dog owners? The dog would go. The problem with that is Fluffy left Fluffies all over the yard. And these fluffy things on, all over the yard. And, and sometimes I'd come out and I'd be talking with my friends. Whatever, and I would just walk around uh, and I wouldn't look and I'd be stepping in Fluffies. Now, how many know there's nothing that smells worse, nothing that's harder to get out of the carpet than this, right? And, uh, and, and this is kind of a good analogy here because we literally have to look out. We have to be careful where we, how and where we walk. Where are we stepping, right? And, 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 and it's so easy to go through life and just, oh, I'm just going to do, and we're not paying attention. We're not careful. Where am I stepping? Is this really a good relationship, right? For example, here's a boundary. The danger zone for a woman is stand up with a man who is not going to, provide for her, or even provide for himself. Let's call him a couch potato, just like that. So a boundary is not to wait till you're in a relationship with a person. The boundary is, I have a boundary that a man that I'm going to date is going to have a good job and come from a good family. And you, you, so you have this, this line that you draw. How many hear what I'm saying, right? And if you're a Christian, you're going to say that he's going to be a believer and a Christian. So you have a boundary there. So when you hit the boundary and that person's like, no, I haven't worked a day in my life. It's like, see ya, buddy. I'm out of here. I know you look hot and everything, but you won't in 20 years, and I'll have no money, so I'm out of here. I, that's what I'm saying. You have to have a boundary in place that you have to determine to keep you out of danger. And so many times we end up in these situations, and even as a pastor where I've sat down with people and said, I really don't think it's a, like, listen, I know you love the person. I don't want to offend you, but we've just did marriage counseling, and it's like, I don't know if this is really a good fit for you. I'd oh, but we love each other. And a year later, they're separated. 
because there was no guardrail. There was no, this is keeping me, this is a predetermined thing that has to be there to protect me from the danger zone. How many hear what I'm saying? Okay? So we need to be careful how we live, okay? And not be careless. Look around, look ahead, look back, because your life, you only get one, right? And if you've messed it up, it's okay. God, we can, God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can change that, and you can have a better life tomorrow. But look what he says. Be careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, okay? Making the opportunity of, making the most of every opportunity. Why? Because the days are evil. How many know we live in dangerous times? Uh, you know, you can't afford to be careless, all right? Uh, you can't afford right now to go into the airport in Toronto and shake everyone's hand. Hey, how are you? How are you? How are you? How are you? You don't want to do that, right? You don't need to be in fear, but you've got to be careful, right? Because we know of the coronavirus, right? So you, you have to be careful. You need to be alert of what's going on around you. Why? Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Understand that God wants you to not live in the danger zone. So what are you going to do? You're going to set up guardrails to protect you from the danger zone. And then I love this. He says, and I want you to get this in verse 18. Do not get drunk on wine. Okay? I want you to see this. And as a pastor and as a social worker, before I was a pastor, I was a social worker working through CAS. And, and I have never had an instance where I was counseling or working with uh, uh, a couple or a family where they said, you know what, Pastor? When, when he started drinking, life got better. I mean, I'm telling you, it, you know, there's more money in the bank account. You know, we have a happier marriage. How, how many of you hear what I'm saying, right? Don't get drunk with wine, right? So, there's, so he's given us an example, and I want to talk about why that's important, okay? Do not get drunk with wine, which leads to what? What's that word? Debauchery. You say, what in the world is that? I'll tell you. Debauchery is, okay, um, and I don't want you to miss this point. This is an important point. Getting drunk is not the whole problem, okay? But the problem is what happens when you get drunk, okay? The bigger problem is what it leads to. Debauchery leads to, the word is extreme indulgence, okay? Results in the loss of control, right? That can be, you know, greed, anger, uh, stuff, food, other kinds of addictions, not just alcohol. You lose control and you come under the influence of something stronger than you. That's what you come, say, come under the influence. So you come under the influence, and, th and, and this, this is something that can actually, you're handing the control of your life over to something else. That's what's happening when you get drunk. That's what happens when you have a food addiction. That's what happens when, you know, you, you get, you know, cravings, and you start to just, it gives you over to debauchery, so you lose control. But I love verse 18, because this sums it up here. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to a debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So we need to be under the influence of who? The Holy Spirit. So instead of being led by altered states of consciousness, now we're being, we're being led by the Holy Spirit. And he's speaking to us. And he's directing us. Does that make sense? All right? And so God wants to play the role of influencing, being part of influencing your behaviors, influencing your decisions. He wants that role all to himself. So before you reach for the remote, before you head to the fridge, before you text her back and say something you regret, right? Uh, before you order that second drink, you know, 
you need to bump into a guardrail that you've put up, say, that, that actually speaks to you and says, no, no, don't go there. Because you thought ahead, if I go here, I'm going to fall into the danger zone. Don't wait till you're in the danger zone. Does that make sense? See, one of the things when my wife and I got married, uh, we, we sat down and we had a conversation. And we decided that we wanted to become best friends. We wanted to be, because we, we were getting married quick. We were, was six months? Nine, maybe. But we decided, we decided we want, we want to build this relationship, a friendship, first of all. So we decided that we, we were not going to kiss passionately. Let's just say that. We'll kiss, but we're not going to kiss passionately. Because I wanted a guardrail in place, because we decided we were going to wait till we were married to have sex. That was what we decided. Okay? Now, and that's a good thing. And, and, uh, and if you haven't done that, God is merciful. He'll forgive you, and he can cleanse all that. But here's the thing. We had made that decision. And so, uh, and the other thing is I didn't like taking cold showers at the end of the day. So I thought, you know what? I'm just, we're just going to put this guardrail in place. And, um, and, and we waited, and we built, we built uh, our relationship on that that kind of thing. So we had a guardrail in place. And uh, I talked with another pastor who was saying, uh, the biggest thing is we made sure that the guardrail was not in the danger zone. And if you put the guardrail in the danger zone, you might as well not have one. I, this pastor was telling me, he was doing marriage counseling with a couple, Christian couple. He said, are you guys living together? And they said, yes. He said, do you have a guardrail so you don't sleep together? And the guy said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what is it? Well, we sleep in the same bed. But our guardrail is we keep our underwear on, and we have a pillow between us. And he's like, I think that guardrail needs to be, like, moved a little bit back, right? How, how many here, I'm sorry for being so blunt, but this is uh, 2020. But how many know if that guardrail probably didn't last? It didn't work, right? We have to have guardrails that are out of the danger zone to keep us from the danger zone. And so we have to determine ourselves where that is going to be. So here's the thing. Food for thought as we're closing up here. We don't plan to mess up our lives any more than we plan to wreck our cars. I don't think there's anyone who's had an accident and said, great, I've been wanting to do this for a while. It happens, right? And, and so financial ruin through debt, for example, no one has planned, hey, I want, I want to be bankrupt. Let me ask you this question. What's a good, what would be a guardrail for keeping you out of financial ruin? What do you think it would be? Well, Maybe a budget. I'm going to have a budget, and I'm going to keep to the budget. That's a guardrail, okay? A guardrail is not like when you're in the danger zone, you're like, I'm going to go to the casino and try to win some money back. That's not a guardrail. You have to have a guardrail. No one's planned, ever planned to say, I want to be in a violent marriage. Oh, I just always want to be with a guy who hits me. You know, like that is not something people plan, but you end up there because you didn't have a guardrail, okay? No, nobody ever plan to say, I want to get involved with a married man or woman, or I want to commit adultery or, you know, leave with my secretary. Nobody plans this stuff, but it happens because no guardrails. So, see, my guardrail, because uh, I love my wife, my guardrail is not to say, I'm not going to lay in bed with another woman. That would not be a guardrail. She'd still kill me. My, <laughs> my guardrail is like, I will not be in, my, in an office with a closed door with another woman. Open door policy. If I'm counseling a woman, I'll have my wife or one of my sisters in the body of Christ would, one that I trust would be with me to protect me from accusation or protect me from you know, any kind of temptation if it was there. How many know that's a guardrail? I, I'm not going to drive alone 
with a woman around the same age as me. If it's like a grandmother figure, sure. But I'm very, those are my guardrails. And so when, when I bump into that, how many know if I bump into, oh, I'm not getting in the car with you, the chances of me getting in the bed are never going to happen because my guardrail is set far from the danger zone. Is this making sense to you guys? And so we need to set guardrails in our life to protect us. And don't insult yourself by saying, it's okay, you know, God, God will take care of me. He will, tr- he will, you know, and he will, and that's why you're here, because he wants you to hear this message, so that you'll put guardrails in your life over the next few weeks as we cover some of these topics, okay? And so, am I being too blunt, or is this okay? You guys are getting this? Okay. So here's the thing. Here's the conclusion of this, this kind of thing, okay? Um, don't confuse guardrails with sin. It, guardrail is not sin. It's not the danger zone. It's something you set before the danger zone. And it keeps you from danger. Okay? In conclusion, God our Father loves us. Because he loves us, he gives us off-limit areas. Why? Because he wants to protect us. When I tell my children, you cannot pass the curb and play on the road, they might not understand and say, Dad's so mean, I can't play in the middle of the road. But the reality is that, no, stay behind the curb because I want you to be safe. And that's what God's word is to us. He loves us. He wants to correct Correct us to bring us into a place of safety. Okay? And so, as we go through this next few weeks, we want to understand our first guardrail definition that we started with is this here. A system designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas. Our new guardrail definition is a personal standard of behavior that becomes a matter of conscience. It's a personal standard of behavior. And it's between you and God. Like, you might think, well, Pastor Travis and Camilla were like, I could never, like, why would they set? No, it's between you and God. You set your boundaries to keep you from the danger zone based on what you feel is right, okay? And so next week, if you come back, Pastor Chris is going to be talking about guardrails in places of friendships, which friendship, where you have to put guardrails in place in friendships, and then the next week. Uh, Peter's going to be talking about love life. You know, why don't we stand? I'm just going to pray with you guys, and then we're going to have David come to the piano. We're going to finish with the song. Father, I pray for everybody who's here today, God. and No one's here by chance, Father. You love each person dearly. And Father, you're not trying to control or dictate our lives because you're harsh. You're trying to protect us from the danger zones of life. And God, I pray that every person here would leave knowing that you love them and that's why you have asked us to put guardrails in our lives to protect us from broken relationships. And God, there's many of us in this place, including myself, where there has been broken relationships or maybe there are broken relationships right now. But God, you're a God of restoration. You're a God of healing. And so God, I just ask that you would bring healing. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm just going to ask this question. Is anyone here, you say, I don't know Jesus as my personal Savior. I don't know that if I was to die that I would go to be with God. If that's you, I want to pray with you. No one will know that I'm praying with you, but I just want you to slip your hand up if that's you. You say, I want to know God. I want to have a relationship with God in my life. Father, I pray, God, right now for every person. This week, God, I ask that you would begin to shine your light on their hearts and begin to show them the guardrails that they need to put in place. Uh, And uh, 
in the certain areas. And the, the areas that you're struggling with right now, those are probably the areas that you need to put a guardrail in place. So, Father, I thank you that you'll help us with that and that your love is going to unconditionally be there as you're guiding us and leading us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said... Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.